Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Triangle Anime and Manga Review Podcast. I'm Logan, and here with me today to celebrate the end of another fun year is Ozzy. How's it going, Ozzy? Hey, uh, it's going great. Uh, yeah, like you said, we are now into 2024. Um, it's uh, the new year, and uh, we're excited to see what comes to uh, the 2024 year for us. I understand you had a fun uh, New Year just uh, hanging out at the uh, museum, getting a lot of drinks, getting a lot of food. That is true. I had a, I had a very good uh, very good New Year's party uh, that was in downtown. Um, we enjoyed ourselves, and I heard you also had a decent time hanging out with your uh, your fan band. Uh, we got drunk. It was fun. I mean, what else do you do at New Year's, right? Yeah, it was a good time. So. Fair enough. I can't complain about that. Um, and 2023 was a really good year, right? I mean, for you, you got married, right? Yeah, that's true. That's that was exciting. Good, it was good times. Yeah. Was, uh, I think 2023 had a lot of positives to kind of go for it. Oh, man. Football was pretty good for both of us. I don't know. They didn't fire Dave Doran yet, so that's weird. No, I don't, I don't think they will, uh, but the Carolina Panthers at least are cleaning house, so that's good. Yeah. And 2024 is looking pretty positive, too. You know, uh, Nick Saban retired, so that gives the hump to the rest of the I country. I know. From from a sports perspective, it was a, it was a fun year um, and leads to kind of like more openness for next year, which always makes it fun. Anytime you can have like scenarios where, you know, like, oh, it's anyone's game, like it always makes it more entertaining for us general fans, you know. Yeah, but as always, we run an anime uh, podcast, and... We gotta remind ourselves every now and again. And 2023, fantastic year for anime, if I do say so myself. I would agree. I, I think um, I will say that it started off a little not weak, but just light. Because I, I, looking back at the year, I remember I, I remember that winter 2023. I there was probably only three or four that I really enjoyed, but by the end of it, we were having a hard time keeping up. So I, I think it, a lot of it was the carryover, because you know, and we talk about this later. But I mean, we had the Witch from Mercury, which was a Fantastic anime, but compared to a lot of these animes as the season went, as the year went on, didn't really match up to the uh, top level stuff that we saw the rest of the year. I mean, we had the Tomo, it was at the Tomo Chan. Yeah, Tomo Chan. Um, yeah. We had, uh, I mean, again, people forgot that we did have the continuation of uh, uh, Tokyo Revengers. Um, continuation of Nagatoro. Nagatoro, yeah. A couple things that popped up in the winter that. You know, I, I honestly kind of forgot. I feel like, like you said, the winter, it's unfair because sometimes some places think of that as like the beginning of the new year. Some places think of it as the end of the new year. Uh, but winter 2023 did start uh, with some good stuff, but it definitely the, the, the season like snowballed and just kept getting better and uh, better. Yeah, and you know which one we did forget was Demon Slayer, and it actually was worth forgetting this time around. Well, I, I mean, I will say that it didn't perform as well as before. It's still a, a good, solid, you know, story and anime, but um, yeah, I think it was definitely, for once, I don't think it, it might not clear awards like it's done before. Granted, it's another one that... It might be another one that was a continuation in Jujutsu Kaisen, but mm. we'll yeah. see. We'll see what we end up saying. Then. But first off, we're getting out. We're gonna be giving out our awards this year for kind of our favorite superlatives and also some of our favorite anime, favorite animation stuff like that. So let's get right down into it. Into Ozzy's favorite category: best OP and ED for uh, an anime this season. And there were a lot of good ones. My gosh. So, uh, I think we've got a... 
we had to narrow down the list pretty significantly. Uh, it was it to, was hard, yeah. Just to save some time, because honestly, I mean, Gundam Witch from Mercury, you probably would have also been on this list, but it was just there's too many already on there. Yeah. Um. So we'll start off. We're going down the list. Insomniacs after school. So Ozzy, I mean, you're obviously more. This was the show that you watched more. I listened to the OP, and it is very. Kind of slow, methodical. It's got kind of a dreary, but also upbeat, optimistic feel. Kind of like you're sleepwalking. And I think that matches the tone of the show. You can correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think it did a good job of encompassing the entire story. Um, and, it, and the animation does that too. Just kind of showing clips and little behind the scenes um, interactions. But yeah, I think the song is it's very low key. It's a piano based um, very kind of grand. It kind of builds as it goes on, and I, I like I said, if if you watch this, I think you can agree that it definitely got you excited for each each episode because it was more of a casual show. It was kind of a romance slash like drama, um, and I'll talk about it as we go on. But I, this is definitely a highlight for me as a show and an op. And the ed did a good job of kind of toning things down as well. As it had a very vibe like feel and. The animations were fun too because it did a lot of like, um, like character perspectives from like the two main characters, and it did a lot of like color shift stuff. So it was nice. Uh, I it, it definitely fit the tone of what the show was going for. It did remind me a lot of um, I think the one we watched last year, which was Call of the Night, which had that vibe to it, um, and that was kind of the feel that it carried across. It's hard to describe what a feel is, but you know when you hit those kind of tones that make you feel like you're almost having a sweet dream. It's it's very, it's relaxing. It's also kind of upbeat and it's very, uh, it kind of gives you that vibe that everything's going to be all right. Um, next up, our second nominee, Spy Family Season 2. Um, so Spy Family was a much more uh, up-tempo kind of song and a lot more, I think, almost focused on the animation they do have a lot of uh pinpoints or i guess uh sharp i guess notes for i guess their clean cuts on the animation in the uh op and then the ed i think has more of a kind of relaxed drawn out kind of vibe that works with the uh kind of the aesthetic that they're going for with the Paper cutouts, uh, animation. Very wholesome, style. right? Like, yeah, they, they they bring it back because like they do a good job of like hyping up the beginning to say, hey, you know, this has some action in it. It's a you know, it's something that everyone can enjoy. But then at the end, they kind of bring it back and say, like, at the, at the same time, it's also a wholesome, like, family, like, cute um, anime. And I think that's what draws a lot of people in. That it's you know, it has a little bit of everything. Um, and I love the animation styles that they pick. It's not always the same thing. Uh, and the music is also fun. I think it was pretty cool that for the ED, they brought in uh, Corey Wong, which is a, a guitarist that uh, I've seen play in a couple of different situations. And um, I was very surprised that it just, you know, it was somebody, I guess he's, I think he might be American uh, or might be European, but um, it was cool to see something besides, you know, just the general, you know, same, nothing against Japanese artists, but I feel like it's always, you know, the same few people. So it was cool to, to see that. Um, like you said, the the cut the cutout ED was probably one of the cutest ones. They do a really good job on their EDs. I think this was in line with the first few 
OPs that and EDs that we saw from Spy Family. Um, so I, th- I think it's just up there as just a, a, a solid one. Yep. Third third nomination on the list. This is one that we've sung the praises of before. Heavenly Delusion. Holy crap. Uh, the f- OP is a banger. And yeah. the animation is at the same time it's like comforting and relaxing, but also chaotic and impossible to understand. And I think that almost fits the vibe of the show way too well. And then we get into an ED that winds you down and almost makes you feel like comforting, kind of like your parent telling you a story right before you go to bed, or like rewarding you after a hard day's work to kind of relax back down. I I kind of struggle to put into words how good I think these two songs fit the show as a whole. Why don't you go ahead and say your thoughts on them? No, I agree. I think this is one of the better ones. Um when it comes to just kind of in like showing off what the or trying to rep- represent the show, like you said, uh, I agree with all your points on the OP that the OP was you know very good on like capturing the chaos and the uncertainty of what the season was because halfway even to like the last few episodes, I wasn't really sure where this was heading, uh, and I think that's what made this uh, series so good. And then the ED I think is even better because not only do they they capture the like the aesthetic of like the adventure that was uh heavenly delusion because they show a lot of clips of them doing like the stuff that you don't necessarily see between episodes where they're you know you know just walking around adventuring in areas and just kind of going from point a to point b which takes up time on the screen and that we don't necessarily need but it looks good in the ed um the animation's great and again they the, the song itself represents it pretty well because it has you know a male and a female singer and it's nice to hear that contrast um and also the contrast from the op to ed again the op was very chaotic kind of heavyish had some like um distorted feel to it but the ed was kind of like guitar driven uh very like light acoustic guitar driven and yeah it's kind of fun bluesy it, it was yeah it was almost like you were kind of playing at a fire ca- campfire yeah yeah that's a good like way that. to put it yeah. and then i think yeah the op i just can't get over how it does the melancholic call out followed by this intense just guitar riff that just takes you all over the place yeah. and it, it is I like I like both of those very much so uh, Zom 100 is our fourth nominee or yeah, yeah. fourth nominee uh, I'll be honest I didn't really think of this on the list but until you pointed out that there was a second op that had a new animation style yeah and this is the unfortunate part with their uh, scheduling that they had like a huge gap but they had a second OP, and I think maybe because of the scheduling, they got a chance to come back and add more to it. The OP was always good musically, but the OP animations was just over the top for the second OP, where they had everyone dancing, they introduced the new characters, and like they had all the zombies dancing, and kind of like, yeah, it, it almost, was just so good. It wasn't really a Michael Jackson thriller, because it was very much you know upbeat, kind of like the show. It felt very positive, but it had that same vibe where like all the zombies were dancing along, and like the characters were almost having a party it felt like you know i i compared it to one of a a karaoke session where everybody's singing and dancing even though it's just utterly ridiculous um and then the ed i almost like more because it's kind of got this jazzy feel and as one of the things that you like ozzy it touches on a lot of the stuff that the characters do 
when they're not on screen. Yeah, it's very much just like Heavenly Delusion. It has the same feel where it's like you get to see all the interactions that they don't have time to show, and it's cute. The the, the song itself is nice, and they do a lot of good pastel colors in the ED. I, I, I thought it was great. So uh, Next up, Jobless Reincarnation. Um, I, I really struggle to describe these. It's felt very classical, very kind of like it carries you through the story and, and it's kind of dealing like the show. This whole season was about dealing with the characters internal uh, struggles and dealing with their internal emotions. And it kind of felt like almost kind of like a whisper or a caress to kind of try and comfort you as you were going through this tumultuous time where it wasn't really like super energized, but it was peaceful and it was, kind of understanding if that makes any sense it's really yeah, it's very nurturing it felt it felt very good um the op i thought was great the only thing that that kind of sets this one apart uh op and ed wise is that they didn't really have a dedicated like op and they, they did but not every episode had a dedicated like animation like half the time they just played the op and ed over just like normal stuff that was going on in the episode which i like at times uh but can detract from the actual having that animation in there to kind of set up the 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 show uh but i thought they were great like like you said they kind of they didn't the the tone never shifted it wasn't like it was not in in line with the show it kind of set you up for the feelings you were going to feel which were you know kind of like thoughtful perspective introspective and just kind of uh, melancholy feeling yeah uh and then carrying on, we've got Undead Murder Farce. Undead Murder Farce might have been our favorite OP from a sound standpoint, possibly from an animation standpoint. I think there were some better animations, but we both really like the OP. Unfortunately, yeah. we do this category as a combo. The ED was not uh, as good in our opinions. Yeah, I think sometimes OPs carry um, this award situation. Again, I, I, I want to highlight EDs because they can be overlooked. And I don't think that this ED was bad. I just don't think it, sh it shined as well as some others. Uh, but yes, the OP is definitely up there with Oshinoko, which same situation. OP, phenomenal. Maybe not necessarily tonal the best, but um, the EDs just didn't shine for me. But uh, that is up there just because of the OP. Uh, next up, Bleach Part 2, which was one of the OPs, and uh, frankly the ED both had some of the most fantastic art we saw from an OP. Um, the music, though, kind of felt like it was a repeat from uh, maybe a previous season. Yeah, it honestly feels the same as season one, uh, where it's like a high-beat punkish in, in a first song rinse and repeat kind of feel. Uh, and then the ED was just kind of like a very, like, not grungy, but distorted slash slow song where, you know, maybe the pictures were a little dark because of the under, you know, the undertones of like the Steinritter being kind of in the dark, being behind the scenes situation. They do a good job, but it definitely felt like rinse and repeat situation. Uh, and last uh, but not least, uh, Shangri-La Frontier was uh, another one that snuck its way onto our list because, holy shit, that is a banger of an OP. It's definitely oh up there, right? Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, the, the only thing dragging down the ED, too, the ED is also pretty good, but it almost has, like, no art compared to the OP. Again, it's just yeah. kind of... And I can't blame them. They're not using their... You know, they're not trying to put... They're flexing on the... Some people flex on the ED. They didn't flex on the ED. And that's fine. I think it's overlooked sometimes. People don't care as much. But I do want to award the right people when they, you know, they do take the time to add to it, right? 
I do want to. We also do want to give some quick shout outs, honorable mentions. Freyrin, I think As, we had those were fantastic in OPs and EDs. I think my issue with it was the OP didn't really fit the tone of the show, in my opinion. Which is which is kind of weird because the other shout out we had was Oshinoko, which is by the same artist, and I also argue that that one doesn't necessarily set it up to the same feel. I think Yasobi does a great job with their music, and it, I can't fault them for it. And but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and JJK, their OP and ED was also. Pretty good. Uh, the art was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Just yeah. like everything in Jujutsu Kaisen. But I, will, it was... I, I do want to praise the OP because the OP set, like we were talking about this, it set up the feeling of the initial half season of Jujutsu Kaisen because this thing was going on pretty much all year. And it did a good job of setting up the the, the height, the, the peak before the fall of Ghetto and Gojo, right? Uh, because we know what happens between their relationship as, you know, Ghetto kind of falls into his uh, despair and then ultimately, you know, has to die. Uh, and they did a good job of kind of building up this, like, like happy feeling of, like, hey, everything's great. We're in a, like, nothing-can-go-wrong situation and kind of, I guess, not building, really. You're kind of falling from there. Uh, but I thought the OP did a good job of that. Yeah. So coming down the stretch, I guess... Between our choices, I think, uh, I mean, we discussed a little bit before the show. Personally, my pick was Heavenly Delusion. Are you in the same boat still, or are you leaning in one a different direction? Uh, I definitely think it is Heavenly Delusion. Uh, just looking back at it after listening to them before we started this, it just had the best animations uh, consistently from OP to ED, um, and it had the best, like, change of music. You know, it had two different options. It had just... Everything I wanted to see in an OP and just the same in an ED. Like, again, I I understand when people don't put as much love in an ED, but these people did. This animation studio did, and I, I don't think anyone matched that. Fair enough. And then you did point out as a shout-out that the best ED might be Undead Unluck and the best OP might be Apothecary Diaries, just yeah, straight I, I, up. Again, I really do think Apothecary Diaries had a very good OP. Um, it had a lot of, like, cool scenes where, you know, Mau Mau was kind of featured and you got to see her in a different light than you did in the show, and the song is just so good. Um, and then I, I do think Undead Unluck, their ED might be better than their OP. Um, it had a cool, like, dreary scene where, you know, um, what's his name? Andy is kind of, like, like reflecting on his past because he's, like, centuries old and stuff like that, and it's, like, all white landscape. It, it's, it's really good. I liked it. Yeah. All right, we're going to start speeding it up a little bit. Yeah, that uh, was the longest one. We'll move on and we'll yeah. get a little bit faster with these. But uh, that was it's, – it's one of my favorite things to talk about is OP and EDs. But uh, Heavenly Delusion did a good job. Actually. Yeah. So we'll start burning through some of these superlatives. Next up, we've got best scores. So we on this list, we have Vinland Saga Season 2, Freyrin, Shangri-La Frontier, Undead Unluck, and Attack on Titan. Now, I think all of these had their own unique – kind of ways of going about it. I think Shangri-La Frontier and Undead Unluck really pack, uh, punctuated the action mm -hmm. fantastically. Vinland Saga, Attack on Titan, and Freyrin, I think, are our top three candidates. Yeah. And more so because there wasn't as much action in this story, and it was more focused on kind of carrying also the storytelling itself in some ways. Now, I know we have a divergence because you think Attack on Titan or you have listed Attack on Titan as your top or I th or and I'm kind of more leaning towards the Freyrin just because I feel like Attack on Titan 
maybe had less less stuff they had to score for. I, I, I agree there, and uh, I'll make a, a, a switch up here, and I, I think I'm going to give it to Vinland Saga just because of um, I think the score is important in what you're saying that you like the score emphasizes everything, not just the action, which I think Shangri-La and Undead did a good job of, but they didn't have to do it in the empty moments, which um, which you know you can look at it in a good or bad way. Vinland Saga had a lot of empty moments, and not in a bad way to me. Empty for me meant like more, you know, less action, more you know, more character development, more character, just kind of you know, communic. What's it called? Like you know, um, uh, dialogue. And even during those moments, they had the sound. The soundtrack slash score was just kind of building. For these things, you know, anytime there was a revelation or anytime that, you know, Thorfinn made any huge, like, strides in his character, like, it was emphasized by the score. So I think Vinland Saga takes this personally. Freyrin, I thought, was great as well, too. Um, and I do agree that maybe Attack on Titan can be looked at as, like, one of the better scores, which it is. But um, I just think the, the, the diversity of what Vinland Saga offered makes it a little bit better. I'm okay with that. I think Vinland Saga was a lot more of a long, drawn-out season, and I think the score really helped carry on the feel and kind of the emotions of the characters. So I kind of got to give it to Good Vinland Saga in this one. Um, next up, we have Best Couple Romantic or Otherwise. So on this list, we have Gojo and Ghetto, uh, Romantic Couple, uh, Fern and Stark, Romantic Couple. Wait a second. Gojo and Ghetto? Yeah, they fucking... Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, okay. I think I think Ghetto was Gojo's special. So, yeah, wow. now you got the special. Okay. So, I think uh, Gojo and Ghetto from Jujutsu Kaisen, Fern and Stark from Freyren, Maru and Kuriko from Heavenly Delusion. Uh, now, we know they not fucking. So, uh, Andy and Fuko from, from Undead Unluck. I think they might be. They might be working on it. Um, I didn't put their fucking names down. From Undead Murder Farce. Uh, yeah, the Undead Murder Farce guys. And then Unsom- Insomniacs After School main characters. Who's... But yeah, um, no, I uh, I put down the Insomniacs After School because I know that I specifically watched it. Um, and I, I can't overlook that just because I think that was one of my favorite romances um, of the season. So that's where I stand there. But uh I guess talk a little bit about each one here. Um, so I think Gojo and Ghetto is an interesting story because kind of the whole second part of the season got kicked off because of what happened to Ghetto and how it impacted uh, Gojo's kind of personality and his psyche, his mentality towards things. And then obviously Ghetto showing back up being possessed uh, led things down a negative path. Um, but honestly, they only were kind of partners for... A small period of our screen time if you're looking at the overall season. Fern and Stark and Freyren are great. They're kind of like a romantic couple and an action couple. Um, but they are the two main supporting characters of the story. So it's also, in a way, kind of uh, their story. We get a lot of screen time with them. Um, but personality-wise, uh, they do almost kind of come off as one note sometimes. Where it's their relationship with each other is... Stark Stark is not the brightest, and Fern doesn't gets upset with him over silly silly stuff. Mara and Kiriko from Heavenly Delusion are probably one of the more interesting ones because they have gone through this. They have their own internal dynamics. Uh, Kiriko, which we're going to get into 
in a second, but Maru and their kind of not really romantic relationship, but also being in a partnership makes things very interesting. Andy and Fuko are probably the two most straightforward. Andy has a very uplifting mentality towards Fuko's um, mental space. But Andy is also kind of a perv and a maniac in a lot of ways. So yeah, they play they play on the uh, the sexual part of that that nature, which I think it's probably the most rated X rated of the of the six that we have. Here. Yeah, I think that's my only issue with them is that they really lean into the X rated stuff. Um, oh uh, yeah, so Undead Murder Farce. Their names are Shizuku. Oh no, sorry, Aya and uh, Sugaru. Yeah. Uh, again, that's the head and the beast, right? Um, yeah. Which I mean, their their relationship was fun because it wasn't in any way romantic, but the way they played together as a you know as as like the two MCs of like the head being like obviously the intelligent one, and then the beast being the you know the bra the, the the brute force right. Uh, and and not not to say that Suguru isn't smart, he still found ways to kind of use his experience and his uh his, his technical abilities for you know to be able to solve mysteries like uh, Aya did. Uh, I thought they did a good job of kind of playing off each other. They were also very witty because Sugaru had a good, you know, like, like kind of like stupid, dumb wit about him, and Aya was more just like calculating and cold. Uh, but yeah, they liked, had a good banter, right? I liked how Sugaru was always kind of smarter than he let on, but yep. also kind of played the dumb straight man. And Aya often ended up in weird situations because of that, but also like was able to play it straight, like she was just a mastermind who understood what she was getting into. Um, Insomniacs after school, you're gonna have to carry me on this one. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's Gonta and Isaki. So this one's another straightforward. This is just a romance, really. Just you know, Gonta being they both have their issues. Uh, they both have like you know, kind of a, a past about them, and they kind of grow together throughout the show. And I thought the show did a good job of having them grow and just kind of you know get to understand each other and kind of support each other, which is the biggest thing about this show because. Um, they they got to kind of work together in their club, and from there just kind of get to understand each other. And I just I just like their dynamic. I think this is one of the best romances of the season, and I didn't want to overlook their romantic coupleness. Uh, I still think it is straightforward in comparison to the other ones, but you know, just a, a shout out for me. Okay, well I think of our top ones, I think we can pass over Gojo and Geto and Fern and Stark, Andy and Fuko. So this one we're deciding on the fly. To me, if you really want to make a push for the Insomniacs after school, I'm open to it. But to me, it comes down to Undead Murder Farce versus the Heavenly Delusion characters. And I'm kind of leaning towards Undead Murder Farce because so much gets kind of insinuated. And we kind of learn so much fun about these characters purely from the story, from their interactions. I think the story is kind of built on their interactions. Heavenly Delusion, there's a lot of mystery, and we kind of get into the story through, uh, I guess, learning more about these characters, but I think their relationship is always, as, as you point out with Insomniacs, also a little more straightforward. You can get into kind of some more detail about that, but we also don't really want to give away the entire story, but I think their relationship at least starts a little more straightforward. Well, I'll say that, and that, just to continue on the point you're making, I will say that um, Maru and Kiriko, as a, even though they were a great team, like I thought they were a great team from a from a combat perspective, from like survival perspective, um, they had a little bit of romance in there. I don't think their their relationship 
drove the story like maybe Undead Murder Farce did uh, with with those two. Um, they're banter, not in a romantic way, but I just think their banter and the way they, they work together kind of led the story. I think if Heavenly Delusion continues, I'll, I think we could see Maru and Kiriko making more strides as to being a better couple because they're, they've seen some shit now. They kind of know what's next in their line, and uh, you can see more growth from them there. So yep. All right. So yeah, I agree. I'm gonna go with Undead Murder Farce there with uh, with with uh, Aya and uh, Sugaru. Sugaru. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next up, just recently added the Tremolot Conga Lion character. So the guy, the character that went through the most trauma during their season. Yeah, these guys have seen some shit, and believe me, uh, you know we we had, we had a lot of. I, I was honestly surprised. I, I started off with this idea with just thinking about like. Uh, specifically Yuji, because I watched some uh, just just some YouTube videos on Yuji's uh, just his development, and uh, you know he see, he saw some shit in his last season in, in uh, Jujutsu Kaisen between you know obviously the 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 downfall of some of his you know, friends, uh, whether that be deaths or not, and then uh, you know uh, what's his name uh, Sukuna was you know took over his body and you know killed, absolutely like, everybody, killed yeah. everybody within an eight hundred yeah. meteor exactly. radius. So yeah. things of that nature, you got to see him just kind of be torn down over and over again. Yeah. So I mean, that's obviously one of our candidates because right. he has been through a fair bit, just watching his friends die and being. Somewhat responsible for people dying, right? In his mind, it's, at least, he was very responsible. But, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think there's always some debate with that, and we're going to get into another character that is kind of questionable. We also have Kuriko, who uh, from Heavenly Delusion is a guy trapped in a woman's body. Not that's just the start of it. Not like, not like metaphor. Not like trans. Not like that. Like his brain was implanted in someone else's body. So that's a start and yeah i mean they're living in this fucked up world obviously uh, obviously there's a lot of fucked up things going on which honestly don't seem to affect him that much but then well, i think he's one, seen worse things right one of the other terrible things is what happens at the end of the season which we're not really gonna go into we but don't it's, really want to spoil it because i think it's a big part of the story but it's not great yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of the worst things that can happen to a human so, being yeah. so he, let's go yeah, yeah. Uh, he takes it like a champ to be fair he does uh but um, next up, we got Fuko from Undead Unluck. So, again, kind of going back to a recurring thing, being unintentionally responsible for the death of everyone you care and love about. Yeah, you know, love and care for. Yeah, we don't really hear, like, all the experiences she's had beforehand because she says that she's, you know, always been unlucky. You know, obviously her, her parents dying was the one thing that we got to see. And, uh, yeah. To, we don't really detail. even know if she was responsible for that, but... You know, she thinks she is. Uh, she said that she was always kind of cursing her grandpa, who kept having like strokes or random things happen to him, uh, based off the minimal touch, right? Because we learned that later. But yeah, she's definitely seen some shit because of that. Uh, I think this season, though, she didn't see as much shit because of Andy just kind of helping her, like, kind of channel that bad luck in good ways. If yeah. that makes sense, right? I think that's fair, um, and I think that might be why she's not as high, in my opinion, just because she has kind of that like release valve. Next up, we got Rudy. He had erectile dysfunction. That's pretty fucked. I mean, that, to me, sucks. that might be the worst thing, man. I'd rather be trapped <laughs> in a girl's body. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so, 
Rudy actually had like a few traumas as far as battle and some other issues, but yeah, I think his big one was kind of learning to love again, as it were. Yeah, I mean that's what the whole season was about. You know, he he was abandoned basically. You know, he he opened himself up, and it was it was something that I think as a character, not just Rudy, but also you know the MC that he never had that attachment in his previous life, and when he finally did open up, when he finally did reach this pinnacle of what he thought was you know. I guess the best part of a relationship, he was abandoned, and I, yeah. I and, and they did a good job of showing how traumatic it was to him, not just from a, you know, from you know, I guess a physical standpoint, which you obviously can tell, but like a, a, a mental standpoint where you know he kind of lost the the will to live for a bit there. He had to restart. He had to find his way again, and um, yeah, they really kind of kind of definitely drove that in as a character. Yeah. And for our last character. And we've had a lot of characters on this list that might have accidentally been responsible for killing their parents. What if you actually killed your parents? No, this guy actually did. Yeah, he actually did that. Uh, but So we have Ghoul from Gundam Witch of Mercury, uh, who lost his wife, then lost his company, then yeah, lost, his dad. Lost, lost his dad because he killed him. He didn't realize it was his dad at his time, but he did pull the trigger. He yeah. didn't kill him. Uh, then he like then he, then he got kidnapped. Yeah, and, and then he watched and, a bunch of kids die. He was tortured, watched a bunch of kids die, and then had to escape. And all all things considered, he came out on the other side yeah, pretty I mean, good. Yeah. yeah, it ended up okay for him, but he definitely saw some shit too. I mean, and that's the best part of Gundam is that you know as much as especially this Gundam, the Witch, um, the Witch of Mercury, uh, it was more like school, like younger kids kind of situation. But at the end of the day, Gundam's still about the trauma of war, the trauma of, you know, having this these this mechs that what are these mechs used for? They're used for war. They're not used for anything else. And, you know, um, Blood Orphans did a good job of that, obviously, because the main character was also a child. Um, but, you know, he saw the trauma of war. He saw the trauma of what having this this company, having this dad that was big in the light and unfortunately had enemies and you know, it yeah, was, it was pretty shit fucked. Got real. Yeah, shit yeah. did get real. I think after listing all that off, um, I mean, some people went through some really fucked up shit, but I think Gull actually killing his dad might be the top one. Yeah, like there. you said, he's the one that pulled the trigger, right? Yeah, like, it's like... Like, you give Yuji a pass. Kiriko, obviously, you know, I'm sorry for what happened, but, like, I think this here, like, doing the deed yourself just kind of puts it in a different, you know, yeah. realm, right? Yeah, I mean, I think there was some really fucked up shit that Yuji and Kuriko went through, but I think, um, considering where he started and where he ended up and then climbed himself back to, I think Gold probably went through a lot fucking more, honestly. It's weird to think about. But, yeah, um, I guess I'll go with Gul. Yeah, I agree. I'm agree. So, Gul um, takes that. I mean, that's not a great reward to get. I mean, a reward to get is the most <laughs> fucked up character, but... Nah, but uh, here we sit. Uh, best male character. Ooh, so. yes. So, you put Boxo from Vending Machine, the Vending Machine Isekai on here. You want to give us a reason for that? I mean, he gives out things, man. He I mean, is... what... He, he's a vending machine. Like, what better joy do you have? To, what like, what to kind of emotion? Yeah, what better emotional thing can you have than the support of a vending machine? Really? Exactly. That's, <laughs> no, fuck this anime, dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. So on the actual list, we have uh, Thorfinn uh, from Vinland Saga, who has done a total one eighty from like his previous season and has kind of come around to being a peace, 
I, I guess the Viking equivalent of a hippie. I don't know, but yeah, he actually kind of yeah. He does kind of do a, like a one eighty and kind of does a whole turn this season. Yeah, season two was definitely about his character development and a, that alone. I mean, you saw very few action scenes, but it was about Thorfinn just kind of finding himself again, very reminiscent of another character on here. But it, it that's what this season was about, and I think. When you have a season like this, it's it's a hit or miss with people because like some people will say that you know the character development's a little too much when it comes to like pacing and just like action because people want more. But I think they did a perfect job of showing like him in his in his lowest point and kind of him even though he is still kind of in a low point. He's still technically you know not a free man. Well, I guess he is a free man now, but yeah. you know he's still kind of got nothing to his name. You know him still inwardly kind of. Climbing the mountain and getting somewhere, you know, new. Right? Yep. And um, next up, we got Himmel, who proved that even if you're not a hero, you can still be the best hero ever, and that you know sometimes you get friend zoned for life, and that's that's a thing that happens. that happens. Unfortunately, sometimes it's not until after you die that you know they're they, they're into realize, you. They're like, yeah. oh fuck, we should have fucked. Yeah, and it's like should have done that. Dude. I don't want. What are you gonna and, do? And I, I do like him as you know best boy here because, I mean. He's the driving force of the entire series, and you kind of, and they do a good job of kind of reinforcing that through like flashbacks of Freyr and having like moments where she she's gets reminded of Himmel, of him being goofy, of him you know doing things that she really appreciated, and sometimes not until afterwards. But uh, you know, he's he's just a wholesome guy, you know. Yeah. It's good. It's they do a good job of not also not making him like OP because like they do a good job of saying, hey, this guy. He beat the Demon Lord, you know, but he also wasn't, like, he made the best out of the situation. He wasn't meant to be the Demon Lord killer because he didn't get the sword or whatever, the that ancient sword. He wasn't able to pull it out, right? They were like, he's not perfect, but he did what he could, and he was able to overcome that. So um, I do like Himmel. I think he does a good job of bringing out, bringing out the best in his friends and stuff like that. So he's definitely deserves a spot here. Yep. Next up, we got Maru from Heavenly Delusion. So, honestly, Maru, I guess, is just kind of a kid who's going through a lot, learning about himself, and also kind of feeling the responsibility, without necessarily knowing about it, the responsibility of kind of being, like, a savior who helps cure these monsters, and kind of... I think, for him, the only struggle I have with Maru is I think he's a very interesting character, and I think he does a lot... But he's also, I think in season two it would be better, because right now he's still kind of learning a lot about himself and a lot about the world, like we are. So I think he makes for an interesting character on this list, but I don't necessarily consider him as like the top-tier main character just yet. And I think that's yeah. a fair point, because like, you learn what he can do with being able to like purify these monsters or beat them from the inside, and how much of a... How much that puts a strain on him because he kind of like touches her soul in a, in, a, in a sense, and that's all great. And I think as a character that kind of like it is, it, it makes him a, a you know a good character because he has some depth, and obviously because of the relationship he gains with uh, Kiriku. But you don't know where that stands in the story, right? And I think that's what yeah. you're getting at. Is like, hey, what does this mean overall? And I think you'll, you'll we'll see more as we go on. Yep. Next up, we got Yukichi, Master of Chaos, depressed again. Hell yeah. So, I mean, this was kind of forgotten about, but Masterful Cat is depressed again. Just kind of a casual show where, you know, the cat was the main character and her own and his owner was just kind of like there. That's the way I see the show. I thought he was just a great 
main character because he was fun. He was so good at his job. He was able to keep the house clean. He was able to cook for his owner. He was basically owning his owner. And I just think that's cool. I I, I wanted to give him a shout out. I don't think he'll win, but uh, yeah, he was definitely a fun character. And last up, we got Rudy from Jobless Reincarnation. We've kind of already touched on this, but Rudy's basically his whole story about regaining self-confidence and getting his like feeling like kind of almost bouncing back to where he was at the original original start of the story, which is finding a reason to kind of like live and be motivated to do things again. And that was kind of his whole point in this season. And I think that's a wild ride that he was able to make through there uh, for himself. Uh, I don't know. I yeah, think. this was basically a Vinland Saga season two situation, but for a more selfish reason. It was yeah. more, more. It's not internal head matters. It was external head matters, if that makes sense. I mean, he yeah. had more of a driving force, and I meant the external as is in his penis. Um, yeah. Uh, no, to give us some more information. Yeah. But yeah, so it it was a lot of character development. Him kind of moving past his 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 issues and i i definitely thought they did a good job in this season all right um so i guess personally for me i think forfin is the top spot in my opinion because i think he does such a radical change from where he was in season one that you kind of have to give him that in season two honestly i think uh Loki, even though he's a supporting character, I think Himmel's probably one of the more interesting options on here. And Rudy, like you said, is almost like Diet Coke Thorfinn, but I think... I Coke think, Zero. Coke yeah, Coke Zero. We support Coke Zero, not Diet but, Coke. Yeah, Thorfinn Zero. So, But I think uh, Thorfinn is kind of like our obvious choice because he goes through the most clear and character development as the series go progresses. So, Yeah, I, I'm in agreement here. Uh, Rudy is definitely a, a second for me. Uh, Thorfinn definitely takes it just because of... Um, I mean, they were both in their pits, really, when the, when the season started. But he, I think Rudy's was a little bit quicker. I think Thorfinn's was drawn out, and you can argue that that might be you know, boring, but to me, it, it kind of made it more realistic to see him kind of like struggle and kind of made these small, small adjustments over time as he got to meet, um, what's his name, Einar, uh, what's his name, Einar, Einar, excuse me, got to meet Einar, got to meet, you know, the uh, the uh, the slave, like, or the, the land, like, grand owner who was kind of like forgiving and allowing them to kind of grow, and then ultimately when he started to kind of meet the people from his past again just kind of seeing him kind of maybe think about the moments that brought him to where he was at and making sure that he didn't make the same mistakes like those those impactful moments definitely did it for me for Thorfinn I I I never thought I would love to see so much character development and little amount of action in a series and uh I think it delivered for him yep so a lot more categories to go through so we're gonna try and keep burning right fast so Best female character. Next up at the start, we've got Freyrin as a candidate, main character of Freyrin after Journey's End. Pretty straightforward. It's a elf, long-lived elf, and we're kind of learning about her relationship to humanity, and we're learning about our own experience with humanity as she learns. Good character, also not very emotive and not very like you know unique. Fares feels very flat when you're not actually having the story kind of carry her. But it does make for an interesting, when you do get those long phases, that it makes her feel more built and more long-term as you kind of see how those play in. Next up, we've got Mitsumi. Yeah, Mitsumi, she's uh, the main character from uh, Skip to Loafer. Uh, 
she was this kind of like country bumpkin that went into um i forget what town it was it might have been tokyo um, i think it was tokyo uh but major city and she just met all these cool new people uh with their own kind of like different past different problems and she just always took it on the chin with moments where you know maybe she was made fun of because if she was a country bumpkin maybe she you know maybe she overanalyzed things or was super nervous but she always just kind of like just like i said took it on the chin um was always open to new situations and to meeting people and understanding others uh i thought she and this skip to loafer is a very i i thought was underrated um i think the just kind of the interactions between characters was very realistic very wholesome even in moments where it was kind of uh not wholesome because we had moments where she had to deal with you know like very petty situations that you could see in high school and she kind of you know took that and went with it so that that's that's my spiel on mitsumi all right next up vermilio from helk I really like Vermilio. She's kind of the straight man character in what starts off as a ridiculous story. She's probably the second most powerful character in the show. And she has to be the one that kind of like constantly brings people back down to earth for all the ridiculous things the main character tries to do. But then the other part that she has is as the story gets more serious, she kind of plays psychiatrist for a lot of these characters who have clearly gone through a lot of trauma and struggles. And she has to be the one that kind of guides them back to the understanding that they're not bad people they've good you know everybody makes tough decisions and all that stuff so i like her she's a very fun character and kind of almost as watching a kid kind of grow up from being like uh you know somebody's just straightforward good and evil to understanding that there are psychological depths to what makes people do what they do um now the two that we really need to discuss because uh, i think they're going to be our top two we got Mau Mau from Apothecary Diaries and Mizu from Blue-Eyed Samurai. And so I, I, I kind of wanted to, because I've been practicing this spiel in my head, I think these are two very similar but also extremely different characters. They're both very strong female leads who have a totally different way of going about how they lead the story. Mizu is a very active, aggressive character. It's almost like she could be a shonen character... She is a shonen character yeah. um, who just happens to be female. She's out for vengeance. And if you've ever seen Kill Bill, that's basically what you're looking at in Mizu. Mau Mau has a very different way of approaching things. She is not a super strong character. She's not a very, like, go fight a bunch of people kind of character. Mau Mau is more your standard female character who has to understand how to live in this day and age. It's not that she's a weak character or that she gives in. She just has an understanding of, I'm not royalty. I don't have super strong fighting powers. All I am is a girl who has, you know, some understanding of medical knowledge. It has her intellect. And, and I have to make the best of the tools I have available to make my life comfortable. And I think that's the key difference between those is Mizu has clear goals that she cuts through to achieve, which is... What we're used to seeing in Shonen, whereas Mau Mau has a much more realistic approach in that she has to kind of, is just trying to live a good life, but is also struggling with the fact that she's a girl in times when a girl doesn't really have a lot of control over life. Hell, she gets kidnapped in like the first fucking episode. So, anyway, sorry. Wanted to get that out of the way. What are your thoughts on these two right here? No, I agree um, with what you said, basically, your spiel, that 
you know, Mitsu is, is they're driven by different things. Uh, Mao Mao is driven by her her intellect and what she wants to learn and what she can learn because she knows that that's her key to kind of progress. She knows that she's unique in the fact that she, you know, she understands how, you know, uh, what's it called, like poisons and she kind of these, these, she can do all you know, the whole things. apothecary yeah. thing, you know, she can understand how to apply that. And she uses that to better her knowledge, better her position. And Mizu is just on the opposite end where she's from a physical aspect, like trying to better her, I guess, her mental state, really, um, by trying to kind of brute force her way through everything. And like you said, very Kill Bill style where like nothing stops her. It's almost unreal. So I, I think they're both my top two because of them just being strong female characters that don't really need anyone else as kind of... To bring out the best, and I think that's why Freyrin kind of falls to the wayside because Freyrin's best is really when she's with her her friends, when she's with her party, and that's what brings out the best in Freyrin, just kind of like Himmel did, just kind of how Fern and Stark do. But really, Mau Mau and uh, Mizu kind of stand alone as uh, as female characters, and I think they do a good job of highlighting them, of keeping them in like using other characters to help them, but not necessarily them having to depend on them as much. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's down to them, too. And, uh, honestly, for me, I'm just going to have to go with Mau Mau just because I think that she's more of a diverse character. I think you can argue that Mitsu is very, very one-dimensional when it comes to her her story, at least right now. I think she's going to allow for some growth once we see Season 2. But, uh, really, the entire time it was just she had one mission and she was very hell-bent on that. She got a little bit of moments to grow and some background and you know some of some episodes but i think mao mao we got to see more of a diverse like she had her comedic moments she had her smart moments she had her moments where she knew she was the shit and knew what she was talking about and wouldn't let people push her push her to the side because of it and i thought that's what really made mao mao my favorite yeah i 100 percent agree i mean it's tough for me because i also really like mizu oh yeah and i would say that mizu is a fun female character who i think if you're looking for a strong female character to aspire to be, I don't disagree with Mizu. I just think Mizu is unrealistic. Whereas Mau Mau really is like one of those characters where it's like, I could see a smart girl doing what Mau Mau does. It's like, you just have to be, you have to be smart. You have to play it right. Whereas most girls are not going to be able to do what Mizu does. Cutting down hundreds most, of people. Most anyone, honestly. Most but, humans cannot yeah. do what Mizu does. But... So I think Mau Mau, from a realistic standpoint, and I guess from a overall personality depth standpoint, has a better character. And I really am kind of glad that we got to have this season with so many good female characters, but uh, especially glad that she existed for this particular one. Um, next up, best supporting character. So burning through some more stuff, we've got Ringo from Blue-Eyed Samurai, who is a fun character. He is His whole spiel is basically that he comes to understand that he is not a great person. He will probably never be a great person. But in his support of Mizu, he could touch greatness. He could make her greater by being by her side, which is a fascinating concept. It's literally the definition of a supporting character, but it's also a fascinating concept for a character to kind of come to, as it were. Yeah. Um, Shizuku, the maid from Undead Girl Murder Farce, uh, is kind of like Loki, the third straight man for our best couple that we determined uh, early on, 
where she just kind of adds in these fun little notches. You almost forget she's there sometimes. And, that, and, and that's a good maid. And then she, but then she'll come out of nowhere and deliver a funny line. Yeah. Or she'll fucking shoot Suguru. Yeah, she, she has beef with him, obviously, because I I think it's in, like, like uh, what's implied that she has a thing for, for Aya. Uh, and then, obviously, she was able to add value in the combat. You know, she was actually, you know, uh, what's it called? Like, a... a, a adept as as uh, Suguru was like she could hold her own so that was great to see once you actually got to see her in combat with her rifle that she finally re- revealed it was sweet so uh, she was great um, from that standpoint too so yep so uh, and our third character is Einar from Vinland Saga uh, <laughs> which is kind of cheating because honestly I feel like he's the second MC but... yeah I don't know how to feel about this one because Einar, Einar might as well the story might as well have just been about Einar the second season if if Thorfinn hadn't been there they could have just been like this is the oh story. absolutely this is Einar's story yeah, yeah. He, he I mean he supported Thorfinn in allowing him to kind of experience the things he needed to experience and kind of if, if it wasn't for Einar, I don't think Thorfinn would have made the the growth that he had. So that's why I think he's a supporting character. But I still think that he had so much of his own story to tell that he could easily be seen as an MC, right? Yeah. And uh, I guess finally we have Yue from Insomniacs. Do you yeah, want to... Yue. That was the uh, the senpai to uh, the the MCs. It was the past like uh, photographer who was in the photography club that was kind of the main story driver. Um, and he, he just kind of, he was that senpai to, to the MCs, just allowed them to grow, showed them the, the kind of ropes and stuff like that. And if it wasn't for him or her, I never really understood. Um, it, it kind of helped the, you know, the, the story continue. Um, it was nice to kind of see the, the reflection on what, you know, the group used to be, uh, the, the photography group used to be with UA. Um, and it was just nice. I think he was kind of forgotten um, as a character, but you know, if it wasn't for that character, we wouldn't have that story. So. Yep. But uh, ultimately, Dad, we have to make a decision. So, uh, uh, Logan, what's uh, what's your uh, what's your decision here for best supporting character? I think our top two, and I mean, we both talked about this. Ringo and Einar are our two favorites, and I struggle because, like we said, Einar might as well be the main character of this story if it wasn't for the fact that Thorfinn was already the main character. I really want to give it to Ringo because I like Ringo a lot. Like he has some very fun moments and actually some a lot of like deep like we said philosophical thoughts come out of his mouth that you kind of go like, "Wow, I didn't really think about it like that." But um I I think I have to give it to Einar because the whole story kind of revolves around him. If he wasn't there to prop up Thorfinn, I don't know that the story plays out like that. I mean, what are your thoughts? I'm I'm torn right now. I guess I, I do agree 100%. And I guess we can do an asterisk and say, you know, Einar, because I do think that he's the best out of the four that we have. But I, I do think that he infringed on the MC. Uh, territory because I think for the first half of the second season he was the MC. I, I at once it turned over to Thorfinn kind of experiencing like uh, having the fight with uh, with a snake and then kind of leading the story after that. I think he finally became a better supporting character. Where Ringo was a supporting character all the way through, and I, and I will say that if it wasn't for Ringo, we wouldn't have the same story because he was the one that challenged Mizu to say, hey. Like you're not an actual samurai. Like the things you're doing in your your 
kind of your goal are going against what a samurai should be. And he did say that, and that allowed Mizu to kind of have some growth at the end. Uh, so I can say that let's we could split this award and give it to Ringo and give it to Einar as well. I will say that Einar was the better character just because of what he did as a whole, but little cheated because he was the MC. Fair enough. I'm okay with that. So Ringo and Einar get that. Next up, biggest surprise. So in this category, we have three jokes and two actual candidates, basically, is what I'm looking at. So <laughs> let me get the jokes out of the way. So first off, we have Attack on Titan actually ending yeah, as a it, surprise. It's finally done. I, it took forever, but we're here. Do we know it. for certain, though? I really hope so. Yeah. We did see the place get nuked, like, what, 100 years later? Yeah, and they, but I mean, it would have to have an additional story to continue. But I mean, you never know. Uh, the ZOM 100 release schedule, which yeah. was absolutely a surprise. It was all over the place. I didn't know. I didn't even know. It's it was still continuing. releasing thought, now. Yeah, I thought it was done. but it's, it's, it's only halfway through the season, and it's still releasing now. Go. So um, In the new year. Uh, Bleach still being really good. I actually... I don't know if I count that as a surprise. I don't know. No, the, the amount of quality they put into this and just the the grandness of this last arc, it, it's not going to be a surprise that it's going to be good. I mean, it, it is what it is. Bleach, Bleach still bangs. And then uh, our biggest our biggest surprise, Actual 2. So we've got Shangri-La Frontier and we've got Heavenly Delusion. We've talked about both these shows a fair amount okay, on so this just, podcast. Just give it to me straight. All right, so I guess my take on it is just... It's this simple. Both of these are very good. I gotta say the biggest surprise is Shangri-La Frontier because we at least saw Heavenly Delusion coming and we were aware of what the story was with Heavenly Delusion and we were actually looking forward to seeing what it was and sure enough, it was a fantastic story. Shangri-La, we didn't know what the fuck that was. We didn't even look at it. It took us three episodes into the season before we even were like, oh, people are talking about this. Let's check it out and sure enough, that was a really good show. So by the definition of a surprise, I would have to go with Shangri-La Frontier just because I'm like, we didn't see that coming at all. But uh, what's your take? Well, I still think they're both surprises. I still think Heavenly Delusion was a big surprise for me. I understand what you're going for. And I do agree that Shangri-La takes this, but mainly because I think it had... Shangri-La had the most chances to be generic because it was using a lot of settings that we've seen before. And it, this isn't groundbreaking, but I think just the amount... Of quality they've put into this show, the the chances that they've you know they could have had to make it super generic because it is an RPG, it is a different world, isekai like, even though it's not an isekai, um, it had a chance to kind of like f make it super generic, and I don't think it has yet. So because of that, to me, that's the biggest surprise. Heavenly Delusion was all unique to me. So when usually when you have that going for it, you have it's easier to m make it better. I think. Um, I don't think that's uh, true about everything. I just think it's easier. Uh, Shangri-La Frontier, I think, I still think it's the biggest surprise for me, just how consistent and how good it's been when I was expecting something else. I think that's fair, yeah. Um, that is a good point. Like, when something is weirder, you almost give it more leeway to exactly. kind of go You're out like, and oh, crazy. You know, I don't see this all the time. I I've seen RPGs all the time, dude. Yeah, so I, I like it that we finally have a video game anime that actually does video games the way they're supposed to be. All right, favorite moment. I feel like you basically just wrote all four of these, but let's go through them. So, ZOM 100, when the color kicks back in. Um, so Yeah, just basically for, the first episode, man. For this, it was like the whole episode just gets darker and bleaker the more this guy works. And then all of a sudden, he realizes 
Zombies have attacked the city. I'm free. And the color kicks back in and he's just fucking running and living his best life all of a sudden because now he knows he doesn't have to go to work tomorrow. Um, and I mean, we had a whole, I feel like an episode just discussing this. That was a fantastic moment. Absolutely. That I think anybody can relate to. Uh, second nominee, Gojo re- realizing his full power. So this was uh, after everything had kind of gone to shit. Gojo looked like he had died. Yeah, we thought he was dead. Like, legit Ghetto, Ghetto had died, and then, like, the target girl that they were supposed to be protecting had died. All of a sudden, the... I don't even remember the guy's name, but he got paid, and as he's walking out of the building, Gojo's just fucking there, covered in blood, and he's just like, fucking let's go. And all of a sudden, he has realized... How to use reverse curse techniques. Yeah, he's, he's basically reached Nirvana, right? He's, 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 and he's just laughing his ass off because he's like, oh, it took me to die to figure out how all this works, but I get it now. And yeah, I think I just, the image of him like levitating and laughing there is like something I don't forget. Third, uh, I have no enemies from Thorfinn. Yeah, Thorfinn uh, in his moment where he, you know, he kind of brought it all back from the first season from when his dad told him, like, hey, you know, you don't always have to fight. Why do we have to have these enemies? And I think the biggest thing was that in that moment, he was getting his ass beat because he had he had a challenge where, like, the guys that he was he was trying to reach had, the king, right? It took, uh, like, a hundred They're punches. like, hey, man, if you can take a hundred punches, you know, we'll let you through. And after that, he's like, you know, you could have fought back. You could have shown us how badass you were. And he's like, I don't need to do that, right? So... That moment was great. The score was great. The the build up to it, the, it was his like final like finally turning it around moment. So I, I thought that was a great a great moment that we were all kind of waiting for after you know this whole season where he's was down in the dumps. Yeah, and then uh, I swear you had to have written this rumbling, smashing those kids. Absolutely, fuck, fuck so them it, kids. It, it was the beginning of the final two arcs, two series slash episodes of Attack on Titan where, you know, the rumbling had started. You meet these two, like, little kids that were, like, refugees uh, in the last episode. Um, and it's actually the kid that uh, Aaron talks to, and he's like, hey, he saves him from these uh, from these guys beating him up. And he's starting to talk to him. He's like, hey, you know, he, the kid says, thank you for saving me, but, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Aaron falls apart and is looking at him. He's like, you know, I didn't save you. I can't save you. I'm sorry. Because he knows the future. He knows that he's going to kill this kid. Yeah. And it really sets the tone for this last series where kind of from the perspective of the, um, not the Eldians, but everyone else, the Marlians and the rest of the world where it is, com- all hope is lost. These kids get absolutely demolished by these uh, Titans. You know, they, they get knocked over. He's like with his buddy. He sees his buddy, gets his brains absolutely blasted yeah. apart. And then he gets smushed and you see his face just get crushed. I mean, I know it's dark, but it's it, like I said, it sets the tone. It's it's gritty. I loved it. I, it was it's it sets what's about to happen, and I think that's a huge moment. All right, so I'm, I've been taking the show. Do you want to tell us which ones you think are best first? Or? I mean, for me, the best two for sure are. Um, I, I definitely have to give it to Zom One Hundred, and I'm in between um, the Thorfinn moment and the rumbling, but. I'm just going to give you my one, and I think it's Zom 100 because I think that as an opener is one of the best op- opening scenes slash episodes I've seen. It's set it's like the adaptation of the manga, which the manga was fun and it was great to see that, but to bring it to color literally um, was just an extra like 
like cherry on top that made this like this this uh, anime like one of the better ones of the year. It honestly did because of that first episode. Kind of sets up the tone. It sets up the feeling of like, hey, you know, it went from this depressing feeling to a lovely feeling. So that's that's I gotta give it as on one hundred personally. I think I I agree. Um, I would side with Thorfinn as maybe being the second biggest moment because I think the impact of that and how it built again for his character oh, absolutely. from where he went. But Zom 100, the way the whole episode built to that moment, where everything just feels like it's like falling apart, it's like getting darker. The guy, the character, almost feels like he's gonna have a stroke or just like collapse from like how miserable everything is. And then all of a sudden, everything just bursts into color, and I'm like, holy shit! You can really feel that moment if you've ever had like a mental health disorder or depression. Like you kind of feel like. Like, that's what the moment the guy is going through is. You get a moment of clarity. He, yeah. he just snapped out of it all of a sudden. It's just like, it was a really powerful moment. I think I have to go with that as being the top moment. Um, all right. So now we're on to, I guess, our top, our actual best awards. Yeah, these are these are the actual, like, final categories. Like, best of here. Uh, We'll go through them quickly. We won't really give too much detail about each anime just because you probably know these or we've already kind of talked to them. But we'll all talk about the one we chose ultimately. Um, yeah. So if you want to start us off, Logan. So six Man of the Year, and I'll be honest, I think we could probably give it to any of these because this is just a category for forgotten gems. Yeah, this is honestly uh, a favorite. It's, it's basically like that one anime that was so good, but it wasn't quite the one that you're you're putting in your top list. So, going down the line, we have Duke of Death Season 2, which is a hilarious comedy we both really enjoy. Sure, there's some fan service. What anime doesn't have fan service? Still a really good time overall. Hulk, I, honestly, I would probably put that in one of the top of my list, but I know Ozzy didn't watch it. Uh, it's a comedy action mashup with some really deep philosophical leanings. Undead Unluck, I think, unfortunately, in the season that it came out on, if it had come out another season, it probably would be one of the top animes people are talking about. But it came out this season with Freyren and Jujutsu Kaisen and Apothecary Diaries and Shangri-La Frontier and a bunch of other crap. And being on Hulu, it's kind of just gotten overlooked, unfortunately. Then we have Insomniacs After School. Um, do you want to take that one? Yeah, so to me that was the forgotten gem because it... Um you know, it's a romance. Sometimes it gets fallen, fallen to the wayside. And because of what you said, there was a lot of big hitters, a lot of action stuff that came out during that time. Um, and I I didn't want to have it overlooked. I think a lot of people that were in a romance really enjoyed that one. So, And then Gundam Mercury Season 2. Um, so I think uh, this one we both were really high on. Uh, it, I think it has more to do with the fact that it was early in the year. And I think that's things. the thing. It came out early, and a lot of the big hitters for the year were at the end, and you might have some recency bias. So, um, but yeah. So, I mean, with those five out there, I'll be honest, this one's a tougher one for me because, again, I could really go with any of these. I could see Insomniacs After School has a really good story that deserves. I think Helk was a fun story, even though the animation was not stellar. I think Gundam probably was my favorite of these shows, but also just kind of got lost in the shuffle. So I guess, Ozzy, I'll start with you. What do you think as far as it goes? Do you have a one that you're pushing for? Um, 
I think I'm just going to be straightforward with it and just be like, hey, this is my favorite that we're kind of looked over. Uh, not looked over, but just kind of... You're going for insomnia. Second best. Um, no, I, I think... Uh, there's an award later for that, maybe. Uh, I'm going to go with Gundam. I think that it fell to the wayside because of how much heavy hitters there were later. I do think this is my favorite of the five. Or, yeah, the five, because uh, I just love Gundam. I love mechs. It had a cool, fun story that was different for Gundam for a while. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Gundam as the sixth man. Because when I think of six man, I think of like the next man up that would be there that didn't get it. And that would be it. You know, if it wasn't for some of these, I think Gundam would be in the top five, you know? I don't disagree. I think Gundam, I think the other tough part is that it kind of split seasons. So yeah, technically it, it was in 2022 and 2023. And it the ending was not as great. But I did like season, I did like that where it was and I do like how it ended up. All right. Next up, Western Animation. Uh, yeah, this will have to be all you because I unfortunately only watch one of these, and I'll, obviously I'd be biased, but I know you talk highly of the other few, or a couple of these, because I don't know some of these. Yeah, so we got Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, so Scott Pilgrim Remake by Studio Saru. It's actually gotten a lot of nominations for the best animation, but that's a good one. Blue-Eyed Samurai, we've been singing the praises of that one. Uh, really good. Canadian studio. Really good kind of Kill Bill art. Castlevania Nocturne, not not my favorite, but it was another Castlevania one, and I know that's really popular. Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon remix. That sounds like some shit right there. That one was... You might have to expand on that one. That one was actually a very interesting, like, unique, one-of-a-kind story that was put together by Ubisoft. Um, it basically was all these Ubisoft characters. Rayman makes an appearance. Uh, fucking... Uh, I think wow. Sam okay. Fisher from Splinter Cell makes an appearance. There, there's a whole lot to unpack with that series, but that was a uh, that was a wild ride to say the least. And then Invincible season two, which was a famous, uh, very violent, very gory, but also deep story. And I think I did really like Scott Pilgrim, but I think I'm going to give it to Blue Eyed Samurai. And I know nice. Ozzy liked Blue Eyed Samurai. I did uh, very good. Um, I I do. It is one of the better things I watched last year, just because from. About 99% of it was solid. Um, it did have a fall-off um, at the end, but I think it'll lead to more story in Season 2, so uh, I'll, I'll give it a pass. So uh, I'm kind of happy you get one with that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, next up, we got Best Action Scene Slash Fight. So we got five here. We'll try to kind of burn through them. So we've got the end of Episode 5 of Blue-Eyed Samurai, which was a fight in the past, a fight in the present, and a p- fight in a play all kind of happening at once. Mm-hmm. Hard to describe that. Felt more like a brawl. Uh, <laughs> second category. All the things at the end of Attack on Titan. Yeah, basically the whole last <laughs> five hours of Attack on Titan. The final battle against Aaron, The whole Aaron, thing right? was just an action scene. Yeah, and basically just fighting Aaron and uh, you know, kind of the implications of, of that. So, um, Fourth category was Thorfinn v. Snake, uh, which was a... A third, uh, which was a good fight in one of the better fights in the uh, Vinland saga. We also have Fern and Stark versus uh, the demons in Freyrin, right? Which was a fantastically animated thing. And I saved this one for last because Ozzy's pissed off that we didn't have nominees from Jujutsu Kaisen. We decided we were only going to have one and nominee. 
per series. I mean, you could have just had the entire series. Be Jujutsu Kaisen, yeah. Uh, we could have had five nominees from Jujutsu Kaisen, but we picked uh, Yuji versus Maito, I guess, as our agreement uh, on that one. And that's fair. Uh, I will say that this one had the biggest, I guess... Uh, it, it had the biggest moment, really, for the main character for Yuji. So, um, and then obviously getting to see Mahito in that state was gratifying because Mahito is a well-written villain, and you fucking hate his guts. So, uh, yeah. I also did like some creativity that the anime put in. I mean, Toto makes an appearance in this one. Yeah, and that's and a, there honestly, is the whole... when you bring in Toto, it, it, and I'm just gonna go ahead and say it, this is the best one for me because unfortunately Toto comes in, and that's where it it makes it the best. Because if it wasn't for Toto, his creativity with his fucking uh, ability... There's the whole scene where the He dresses necklace... up as a fucking Sailor Moon character. <laughs> yeah. like, it, it's everything about anime that I love. Just how serious it can be, how ridiculous it can be, how over-the-top it can be. Um, you know, nothing to say against the other fights. I really do love Blue-Eyed Samurai for the interplay of the past and, like, and how it played into the, the play, the actual story play, and the present at the same time. And obviously, all the fighting in Blue-Eyed was awesome you know i loved it but it's just hard to not credit the yuji versus mojito fight especially because again like i said mojito was a hated villain you got to see his 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 due but also because mojito is 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 so fun in an in, in action because he literally has unlimited possibilities of what he can do he well, can, he like, can literally, how he can be he animated can throw himself across a yeah. room he can chop himself in half he his can head turn can his head around legs. so it, it it's just so insane to watch. It's so fun, yeah. and it's in character. It's not too OP, and you get to see Toto and uh, Yuji meet up again, and that's that's yeah. awesome. Because frankly, I really like Fern and Stark versus the demons too, because of the like the way that there's the interactions with the time and the training they get to. But yeah, Yuji Mahito just hit fucking everything. It just yeah. hit everything. I don't know. And it had a lot of phases to it, so it's kind of unfair, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think it took like, what, four or five episodes in total? It but did. Anyway. Um, next up, best animation uh, in general. So we got, not going into descriptions on this one, we got... You Juj know what it is, yeah. We got Jujutsu Kaisen, we got Freyren, we got Heavenly Delusion, we got Zom 100, we got Oshinoko, Pluto, and we got Jobless Reincarnation. So, this one is tough for me because I could narrow it down to basically Freyrin, JJK, Jobless Reincarnation. I would, I'll throw Heavenly Delusion in there because that one is on the verge. I just don't think it quite lines up with the same level. But, I mean, yeah, uh, all of those are great. Frankly, for me, I think it comes down to Freyrin and JJK. But I'm open to any discussion you got on it. No, I, honestly, I make the same distinction here that I think those are the top four for me. I, I do want to give a shout-out to Pluto because I think that one falls in the same realm as Heavenly Delusion and maybe Jabba's Reincarnation where they have the best across-the-board like animation. Like The quality from front to back is just great. Like They have high production. Heavenly Delusion does too uh, where you know it's just there's never a dip. And I will say there are some dips in JJK, uh, but... I think the highs of JJK and Freyrin are just much better. Maybe the Sakuga's better. Maybe the moments are better. I don't know what it is. But I think Heavenly Delusion didn't like, like blow me away. It was just awesome the entire way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Same thing with Jobless Reincarnation. Because of the lack of action, there wasn't many moments besides maybe the Red Dragon fight where you got to see it be amazing, but that was very short-lived. So with that in mind, I'm, I may just have to give it to to, to Freyrin. Um 
because JJK had some downs. Uh, they had some moments where you know, ob- and they had their they had their rights just because you know we had the whole you know the controversy of the animators not having enough time budget you know kind of or time constraints and stuff like that. And if they didn't have all these time constraints, I guarantee you it's probably them. But to me, yeah. Freren just had it all from front to back. It had great animation. It had great moments. It like even the smallest details were perfect to me, and I just it, it made it that much better. So to me, I'd have to give it to Freyron. Yeah, I think Jujutsu Kaisen is fantastic, but it's either off or it's on, and I think that does have to probably do with the animation budget and, and the time. And, and I don't want to take away from the fact that I guarantee you it was on ninety five percent of the time. Well, whenever a fight kicked in, it was on, and then but then there would just be scenes of people, two people standing there talking to each other, and, and they wouldn't do anything. And even some of the fights yeah. did have a little bit of downtime. I do think that the Maharaga fight, as much as people want to say it was great. Was probably the sloppiest fight. Visually. It looked. It looked. There messy. were moments where, like, oh, we'll just make it look messy to make it look aesthetically cool. But to me, it looked messy because they didn't have time. Yeah. And again, that's fine. They didn't have time. But I don't want to sit here and say, oh, it was perfect. It was not. It had like, I, and a lot of the backgrounds in JJK, a lot of like the like the ground in the like you're focusing on the main characters, but the ground just looked very bland, and that's fine. But yeah. I don't think Freyrin missed that. I don't yeah, think but missed I think Freyrin was one of the most consistently. I mean, there were scenes where a person would sit down, and I'm like, "This does not need to look as good as it fucking does." But they put all their effort into animating every single part of this show, so it's hard for me to not say Freyrin. I mean, maybe Jobless Reincarnation was close, but I think it messed up some of the Sakuga. Jujutsu Kaisen had the pauses. I gotta go with Freyrin. That's fine. All right, uh, best casual feel anime. So, I think this one's mostly you, man. So this is this it. is the ones that I, I like to give love to because they're everyone loves the big action, everyone loves the the big moments, but these are the ones that had the everyday moments to me, the casual feel anime. So, best casual feel, we got Skip to Loafer, we got Insomniacs After School, we got Tomo Chan, we got Nagatoro Season Two, we got Handyman Isekai, uh, which some people may have forgotten. Uh, that was the one where. Uh, a guy gets reborn into an isekai, yeah. and he's a he's the handyman of the group. He can't do anything but yeah. fix stuff. Right? Handyman Sato in another one. Yeah, Sato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Apothecary Diaries. Now these are the ones where I feel like I just watched and I couldn't wait for the next episode because it was just all wholesome. There wasn't any like major like drama. There wasn't anything like that kept me like like on the edge of my seat. It was just hey, I can't wait to watch it just because it feels good, right? Uh, and to me, this is close. Honestly, um, I have three that just stand out so well. Um, two of them were in the same season. It's Skip to Loafer and Insomniacs After School. They were very, very good when it comes to just kind of that feel of like kind of episode, kind of building, but nothing like crazy. Uh, Inso- Skip to Loafer did get a little dramatic based off some character, you know, interactions. But And then Apothecary Diaries, which was more recent, that I think was a great representation of just kind of it had a combination of the mystery aspect, but more of the daily, daily, day to day kind of wholesomeness. Uh, so between those three, I'd have to give it to. Um, whew, this is hard. Well, obviously, I have a bias because the only one I fully watched, watched was, was Apothecary Diaries. Diaries. Um, I did like what I saw from Skip to Loafer and Insomniacs after school. I would say Insomniacs carried more of the vibe of like Call of the Night, where it just kind of consistent had that vibe. Apothecary Diaries has its ups and downs, so if we're looking for a casual feel anime or just like a more relaxed anime, 
I would say Insomniacs, but I think I enjoyed Apothecary Diaries. And I, I think I think that that probably narrows it down for me. I, I have to go between Skip to Loafer and Insomniacs just because it was con- it was a consistent feel. It had more of a driven story from time to time. Uh, and I'm gonna have to go with Insomniacs probably because of the romance part because it was more romantic than Skip to Loafer. But that well, it was done so well. It wasn't done in a forced kind of like it has to be. It was a very casual way. So even the romance part was casual. Uh, so I'm gonna have to give it to Insomniacs after school. I really, I do think that's a hit, not hidden, but just kind of underrated gem of the year. Fair enough. All right. And our last category, best anime of the season. So again, just listen them off. We got Freyrin, we got Jujutsu Kaisen, we got Zom 100, we got Heavenly Delusion, we got Jobless Reincarnation, we got Oshinoko, and we got Vinland Saga. N- all of these are fucking really good anime. <laughs> yeah, I, I I find it hard picking one because I enjoyed every single one of these and, and some of them differently. I mean, I, I can't say that Jabba's Reincarnation did the same thing that Jujutsu Kaisen did, Villain Saga, right? Those are just different ways to, to tell a story and they were all great. I loved every one of them. They all had great animation. They had great studios kind of pushing them. None of these ever fell flat to me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I have a few that I can narrow down, but what are your thoughts? So, I mean, obviously I got a bias towards Freyron. I've liked it since a manga and the adaptation. A lot of times when a manga gets adapted, it just feels boring because it's like watching the same shit you already Yeah, seen. you've already seen it, right? Freyron, with the animation and with the music and with the way the voice actors have done it, it has felt almost like I'm watching it anew. And that is amazing. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, if not for the fact that it was all fighting, might be in there, but I'm not really interested in that. Zom 100 I liked, but the release schedule kind of fucked it over. Sorry. Uh, I'm just not... I'm just Sorry. not... I'm just not as into it as I probably would have been if it had had a full season. Uh, Heavenly Delusion, because it was a surprise and because the story was so unique, I fucking really liked that story. Um, but... The unfortunate part with Heavenly Delusion that I kind of still have to knock it for is it ended on a really weird note. It just didn't feel complete. And while I'm still really looking forward to season two, it does kind of knock the story when it doesn't quite end the way you expect it to. The other option, Jobless Reincarnation was really good, but also I felt kind of like I was getting dragged through it by the end of the season. The middle part of the story was just very slow and almost added nothing to the story. I mean, I get that its stuff is important and it's going to be important in the next season, but I didn't care. Oshinoko, I I was not as into Oshinoko as you were, and frankly, I think it was like too long and too kind of overly dramatic. Vinland Saga would be my top two with Freyrun. Vinland Saga was fantastic. It was a very dramatic arc, and I was not expecting that. From where Vinland Saga 1 was, uh, it's tough, but I think, personally, I side with Freyrin. But if you want to argue for Vinland Saga, I'm not going to super disagree. I just am kind of, like, torn about that. In, in all fairness, I have the same top for you. Um, I will say that I have Heavenly Delusion up there with Freyrin and Vinland Saga. Um, I think you give very valid points with everything else. I think Jolly's Reincarnation was was really great. Um, I think Villain Saga did a similar series better. Um, Oshinoko, I did like, but I just... It, it was dramatic. It had a lot... It was over the... It just... It wasn't really my, my, my thing. I just think that it had a lot of hype. I think a lot of people enjoyed it. 
Um, it had a lot of drama to drag you in, but then it needed to kind of like mellow down to kind of keep the story going, and it never really did that. Everything was super intense all the time. Yeah, and I, I will say that like, I do not like the character designs. I don't like the way they look. I don't necessarily love the animation, so that's just mean. That's why I don't have it as the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Freyrin, yeah, Freyrin is... It's, it's, it's got to be between that and Vinland Saga. I do agree that Heavenly Delusion, because of the way it left off, I wasn't super satisfied with the ending. Granted, Freyrin hasn't stopped, so that's another thing. Yeah, it's kept going. Vinland Saga, I even though it is it is continue, I think it is continuing and has room to continue, it, it completed something that the other two didn't. And I think that's why I have to give it to Vinland Saga personally. It completed like the whole turnaround of um, you know Thorfinn. It completed his, his journey mentally, right? He still has a physical journey, which I hope we get to see. But, you know, him kind of coming to, you know, to that final like growth where he realized, you know, what his dad was talking about, what, what all this led to, the, the, the trials he had to go through and meeting... Einar and getting to see getting his help from you know his perspective and kind of having him help him through the last few you know moments in when he was a slave and kind of getting back to meeting you know uh, uh, the king again and seeing his old ways I I just thought it did it so masterfully I can see this as like I still think this is one of the best animes I've ever seen with season one and two together uh, especially how contrasting they are uh, so I personally do give it to to uh, to Vinland Saga season two. I think that it did something that is hard to do, which is have a lot of character development and and a lot of and so little you know uh, action with something that had a lot of action, a lot of angst in the first season, and it did it so well enough to bring to keep me watching and wanting more. And um, I think that that needs to be kind of highlighted there. So. Yeah, I mean, personally, I still would vote Freyrin. Uh, and I, I have no problem with that. But I think, to your point, uh, since Vinland Saga actually completed its arc, I, I kind of have to go with Vinland Saga, because if I'm going with where Freyrin left off in 2023, like, it is also not a complete story. It's no. still going, and it's also kind of in a weird jump-off point, technically. Um, which is a tough argument. I mean, because basically we're saying free run is going to be available in twenty twenty four as a con. That is as true. A, as yeah. a concept, it could it could be next but, year. That's a better one. But I'm just going to say that I will I will begrudgingly let you say that Vinland Saga is our top one on the year. Oh, so. and I mean that's just you know what I think is the best. That doesn't mean it is. I mean, there's a lot of things that we didn't watch, but I just. Out of the few that we looked at, I, I, think, I think it, it edges it out, right? I, well, I think Freyrin our... is still a top. I can see you saying that Freyrin is the top. That's completely fine. I would not disagree. But to me, Vinla Saga, for the things well, I said, our... just kind of just pushes the, it out, right? The Triangle Anime and Ronga Review Podcast crown, we're calling it Vinland Saga, so we'll go with that. All right. All right. Well, congratulations to Vinland Saga. It did, it did something that, uh, I mean, who would have thought that a character development season would be the best one? But to me, it definitely was. Yeah. Well, this is a good time, and we're looking forward to 2024, having another full year of anime. Yeah. And thanks, as always, to our listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this, and we hope you check out. If you haven't checked out any of these shows, take some time. And oh, absolutely. And pretty much every show we talked about here is worth watching. Um, go back through, even from the very first season, but a lot of good stuff this year, a lot of good stuff for next year. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited, like you said. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the OP for uh, the uh, – 
<laughs> for uh, Scott Pilgrim, and that was a fucking banger too. But anyway, as as always, thanks again for tuning in. And if you'll have any e- questions, shoot us an email at RaleighAnime at gmail.com. Until next time, y'all, to have a good rest of your uh, week and catch us on the flip side. See you later. Bye.